Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plastics Podcast, a show where three American wankers discuss the details of their recent fantasy football draft. You're joined by a religious Skymore zealot, Blair Lacrosse. I have no comment. <laughs> Maddie, the best form of protection from fantasy football is abstinence. Gaylor. I learned a lot in school. And myself, Jacob Burke. <laughs> this week, Arsenal hand United their latest defeat at the Emirates in the history of the league. Burnley obstinately play their way of football in the face of a goal fest for Spurs and a mid-table clash between Wolves and Palace surmounts in what some eyewitnesses call one of the games that happened this weekend. <laughs> this some more FPL roundups and looking ahead to our first international break for the U.S. of this season. Let's go, boys. <sighs> NFL's back, baby. This Thursday, the Lions face the Chiefs in a top of the division clash. Top, no, of, the table. top, top of the table. table. Three points on on the line. I'm not going to claim that my ball knowledge of American football is anywhere near soccer. So, uh, yeah, mine's been waning over the years. I don't, I don't know as much as I used to. I could name the big names, I suppose, but that's about as far as I can go. I was watching uh, college football this weekend, which is still still fun and enjoyable in my mind. Um, Even harder to track though, because there's more players players and more more teams. and uh, there are a lot of college football sickos in the U.S. I, I follow a lot of them on <laughs> podcasts and whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, holy cow. Uh, the conversation needs to be started around advertising and these things because Jesus. I think going from like a soccer game to a football game is like one of the most jarring things possible. It- it is horrible, and um, I think Peacock does something where the if you leave your tab while a commercial is being played and go back to the tab, it pauses it until you come back. What? Yeah, because I for like five or six minutes, I was just like going back and forth between my tabs because the game was at uh, halftime or something. Yeah, and I was like, "Good lord! Like this thing is still on commercial. It's been like five minutes. I, how is this possible?" And then I realized that, oh, this is the same exact Like commercial. the broadcast pauses or the ad pauses? The ad The pauses. ad pauses. The broadcast Jeez. continues. You have to watch the ads. Jeez. Yeah. There's yeah. like a Black Mirror episode about like ads that like it tracks your eyes. So you have to look at yeah. the ads yeah. and before to continue. I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be sick. And Candy Crush would yeah. be so much less fun. With you watch... Ads? Are you saying yes. without ads? No. If I had to actually watch the ads on Candy Crush. Oh. Okay. That would ruin my transit trip. That, <laughs> Maddie's commute game 
is Candy Crush. Mandy, what level are you on in Candy Crush? You don't want to know. And also, I do. I, I do. Because um, I, I, I can't tell you because my phone is recording. Over this. or under a thousand? Oh, oh, please, Jacob, wait. Over, <laughs> okay. over 2,000? Probably. Well, can I we think, fact check this? I think we're at around four. No, but th- <sighs> I've been playing this since like on and off. I took a few years break uh, mm. since high school. So I, I, know, I know there's like upwards of 10,000 Candy Crush levels, I think. Yeah. I, I'm, that might be low now because like they keep making them. Yeah, I, I've never, I've scrolled like to see the end and right. I've never found the end. <sighs> but also bad. I have no patience. So I just kind of give right. up. Well, you have enough patience to continue to play Candy Crush. So I well, got to respect that. There's Candy not Crush. much else to do when you're underground, if I'm being honest. Um, On the subway. She's not going into a bunker or anything. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a prepper. So before before we uh, we we uh, break into uh, the games that we watched this week, uh, you know this is a sports podcast, and mm. I think I would be remiss without at least mentioning the NFL season beginning this Thursday. The Lions play the Chiefs. That's kind of big for us because we are from Michigan and have been long suffering in various forms of extremism. Lions fans uh, for our lives so it's been good maybe two years of my life yeah there was 2008 no that was the year we didn't win a single game i think oh, okay different reason what a great i think year. like 2012 we were like 10 and 6 and that was like jim schwartz and we we're like he's gonna lead us to mm-hmm. the promised land i don't know mm-hmm. i don't remember exactly and then last year we went on like a we went like six and two in our last eight games or yeah. something and Which finished the wild. season strong so that finish, was a strong finish to the season in this season expectations are up and there are talks there good. are rumblings of a playoff berth it's never good to have expectations i've never seen the detroit lions playoff win nope i've seen one playoff game yeah that was a, the wild card yep the the cowboys blair why don't you give me a Catch. quick 30 second 30 minute overview of <laughs> the draft <laughs> that you and me and friends had to partake in during that was scheduled during the arsenal man united game that drew our collective attention away from the actual soccer for draft picks don't worry guys i watched the game <laughs> <laughs> i did have to take a break uh really playing pulling uh, multiple duties here um yeah it was there's duty everywhere <laughs> maddie's maddie seems to be laughing at that so sorry i'm feeling chaotic tonight okay okay all right um yeah so we have a fantasy football league uh i don't think i've ever won it maybe i did once in high school i don't remember though and that was back before we had enough money to actually make it worth like matter like really matter that People are winning. I think it. the buying this year is fifty bucks. Yeah, wow. yeah. Is this the same group of people from high school? Yeah, pretty much. God. Um, so yeah, we drafted. We do a, a point per reception league, except it's half point, so half point per reception league. Um, and uh, I think like four of the guys didn't show up this year for the draft. So just auto draft. A lot of auto drafters, yeah. more than usual. That was disappointing, but whatever. Um, and yeah, I accidentally drafted a guy who was ranked for like the seventh or eighth round in the fourth round because I had him highlighted. I had him starred. So I, I knew that if I got around that time and I was looking for a player in his position, then I could just easily select mm. him. But my time ran out. And when that happens, when you have people uh, starred as you do on uh, Yahoo Fantasy, it just selects the highest one that you've selected instead of the highest available guy. It'll select the highest one you've got. 
highlighted. So, yeah, that kind of screwed me a bit. Uh, I think my team probably sucks now, but I, <laughs> that doesn't matter because they would have sucked anyway. What? Uh, what's your team name? Um, so I always do uh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's been okay. my team the last two years, so it's always lean in my lean cup. Lean in my cup. <laughs> um, For, um, amongst the official draft day projected standings, uh, lean in my cup as the numbers are being crunched right now, is projected to go five and nine. Okay. That's respectable. Yeah. Um, y- you will Where play, are you seeing this? Um, Yahoo gives a wonderful projection and grading system of wow. your draft day. Uh, He's you, just really proud of you. This. You will place 11th. Okay. Um, Out of 12. That's not oh, bad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you will avoid the last place penalty, which is good. Um, What's the penalty? I don't know. If we, I don't think we've settled on that yeah, yet. We have to decide. Still. Yeah, we've really been slipping this year, honestly. So, uh, what's up with now, that, guys? Now, now, as for me, uh, I place second according to the projected mm-hmm. standings. At yeah, ten in Interesting four. how you uh, framed this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got an A, not a teacher's pet. Yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, so uh, excited for the NFL season, especially our Lions season to kick off, but I simply do not have the attention span to do this podcast, Fantasy Premier League, the NFL, and Fantasy Football. So I'll be taking a break from this podcast. All, all very well. <laughs> so I think I'm going to have one, it'd be like one eye on the NFL, and I hope that's enough, you know? Yeah, that's basically what I do now. So... Well, all right. Um, I have two housekeeping business. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, we're conducting business. What's yes, up? we are. We are businessmen. Um, one, we had a guest. We we guested. Mm. Uh, oh, this we, is true. We guested on a friend's podcast, uh, Sebastian, with Campfire Football Podcast. We did his podcast uh, Thursday night, and it came out tonight, being Sunday. Um, so you should take a listen. It was a lot of fun. We covered the his big six questions for the Premier League season, um, and we had a we had a fun conversation for, for two hours. Yeah, he's a he, he's got he's got a lot of insightful comments, especially about you know his own club Chelsea, yeah. and also his setup. Is fantastic. Yeah. So if you go onto his Instagram, you can see the or or his I, YouTube. I, I assume he's on YouTube. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I assume also TikTok. Anyway, he's got a bunch of shirts and like vintage memorabilia behind him when he when he talks. It's he pretty was on cool. Our podcast a couple months ago. Yeah, I, I just I was absent, yes. so this was new to yes. me. So this was my first experience. Yeah. So we're gonna be doing uh we're gonna be revisiting those questions later on in the season with him. Um. So keep up with those episodes. They were it was a lot of fun to talk to him. Um. Other uh just casual mention. Um. We do have a guest in our apartment this week um and so if you hear uh i don't know whining crying um it's not some, zach <laughs> some some barking it might be zach but it's most likely a dog that we've been watching um cooper not not cooper cup unfortunately yeah but maybe more fortunately, Cooper the dog. <laughs> Cooper the dog. Yeah. Woof, woof. <laughs> don't don't antagonize. All my all my dogs. Come in barking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you hear a dog, um, that's because we have a dog. So cool. Did we mention last week, last episode, that it was Maddie's birthday? I don't think so. Okay, no. cool. Maddie got Maddie, older. Mandy got wiser and older, and th- thus is. Uh, the, the best of us here. I'm more mature now. I, uh, yeah. 
Nice. <laughs> any, any, any words to say about your birthday before we launch into the games? My roommates. No, no, no. About your birthday. I know. They <laughs> okay. pulled a fast one on me. And they threw me the most lovely and thoughtful surprise birthday party last night. And I did not see it coming. Yeah, we got her good. Like an idiot. I just walked into the bar thinking we were having a casual night out. So surprise um, parties are fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's they're, they're fun to um, stressful to plan around, but fun to to execute. I think. I think. Uh, I think you'd agree with me there, Blair. Yeah, it was it was a ton of work. I'm exhausted. Um, it wasn't so worth it for me. Everyone. I didn't. I wasn't even given a gift. So. <laughs> Okay, anyway, we're going to um, my friend. We're going to transition <laughs> noise into uh, the games. How about that? Transition noise. Transition noise. Where's the noise? It's us saying transition noise now. You've made it happen. It's going to happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we have an actual transition noise. Yeah, do you want it? Yeah. <sighs> so much more work. Cool. So the first game uh, that we watched this week and focused in on uh, with a with a mind to watch Burnley, um, who unfortunately got bladdered and blasted by Tottenham at, and ba- blasted, ham blasted, processed <laughs> through the kidneys. Uh, Burnley. I hate being blattered. Uh, okay, yeah, I was trying to do some alliteration, guy. Okay, anyway, Burnley two five Tottenham at Turf Moor, and um, I have here. <laughs> it's like blatter, not bladder. You know, no, I don't I, even know if bladder makes sense. So. I think it's more of a battering. Well, I like bladdered. <laughs> just just like you've been peed on. <laughs> yeah, that does kind of sound like that. Let's, Let's let's not let's not mince words here. It sounds like he got peed on, Jacob. It's Burnley got was. peed on it's not, by Donna. It's not what I was trying to. I'm sorry. That's not what I was trying to. I'm just gonna. Be yeah, okay, that really derailed my intro here. Okay. Anyway, uh, what I've got here is the pros and cons of religiously sticking to a play style. Uh, that's for Vincent Company's Burnley, who. Play some markedly different soccer, as we noted in the preseason episode, but also, as anyone who's paying attention to the league, plainly sees as they try to give a more fluid possession-based style. Blair, I have a quote here from you that I noted and wrote down. Oh. Uh, Blair, quote, a team that does a lot of almost bad passes, unquote. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was uh, how they scored their first goal was like four or five almost bad passes. Uh, not, I think the pass selection was fine. It was most, mostly the placement. Uh, guys were kind of loosey-goosey with them. And so the receiver had to sort of reach uh, with his foot to gather it instead of receiving it kind of in rhythm, which worked out for them in their first goal. Um, but, you know, if you're going to play this style, you've got to be a bit tight with your passing for sure. And... I mean, both teams were t- trying to play through each other, so this is going to be a doubt about who is going to be able to, um, I think, be a bit more precise with their ball movement. And I would say Tottenham came out on top on that one. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I think it's cool because it's both of these teams are playing 
markedly different styles than the year before, or I should say, um, in Burnley's case, in the Daesh era in the Premier League, and now playing something totally different in a company, and then Anj Paskoglu leading Tottenham in a much more pleasing direction. So both are like, I guess, in by popular consent, playing styles that are more pleasing to the eye with this like fluid stuff. <laughs> Bladder. <laughs> Both fluid. of you yawned yeah. at the same time. Oh, okay. you guys! You guys are bladdered from the weekend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I have here stats suggest that Burnley's style isn't ideal to these teams as it opens them up to counterattacks, and they only produce about a goal's worth of efforts a game. However, their opponents thus far have been Tottenham, Man City, and Villa, and the jury is still out on whether this will be effective against mid-table teams. So, um, I mean. They have Tottenham and Aston Villa effectively mid-table teams. Well, Tottenham is not um, by any stretch of the imagination, I think. Uh, They are currently second. Okay. We're four games in. Uh, I know, but... (laughs) As you told me this weekend. Burnley did beat Nottingham Forest as well. Oh, Uh, yes, excuse me. Um, So so they can beat these, like, lesser teams, but a lot of the... um, a lot of the defeats have happened at the hands of the much bigger teams, right? So I think uh, it's important for those who are watching Burnley or fans of Burnley to not overreact. This is this is a tough opening set of games. Don't feel bladdered. <sighs> just stick with me. Um, yeah, I think that what was striking to me about this performance was Burnley defensively were not very well organized and Tottenham seemingly at will were able to just get into the box and find space and take shots from dangerous positions. Um, I think if Burnley were able to tune up a little bit, what they've got going on at the back, they would uh, do well for themselves because they gave up uh, 11 shots on target, 21 shots total. That's not great. A lot of them also coming in or around the, top of the box um, yeah. Yeah. when Spurs would um, play through Burnley's midfield, which was remarkably easy uh, for them. They would find themselves in the box and then, you know, the chaos typically happens, but the players didn't seem to want to close down balls. And yeah. then it kind of left Tottenham with space and time to just do whatever. I mean, James Madison um, and Son and uh, especially uh, Manor Solomon had these moments where they could just kind of wait and make the ideal decision yeah. instead of having to do the first thing that was available to them. And I think that let a lot of the chances that would have otherwise been low XG shots turn much higher. Yep, agreed. Um, yeah, and I think that was just ultimately down to them like you said, sort of losing the midfield battle um, to a degree. Uh, I think, like you said, they were able to move the ball through Burnley quite well. Both teams were able to find space because uh, I think both of them were trying to apply some pressure higher up the pitch and turn over their opponent um, in more attacking areas. And there was like some moderate success there. I actually thought Burnley were doing a good job of working the ball out of tight spaces into uh, big open patches of grass. They were finding Kolyosho a lot um, with switches. 
and he looked quite good. Um, he's an American. Yeah. Did you know that? Um, I mean, I wasn't aware till the day of. Okay. So I'm not going to claim to have any like prior ball knowledge, but he does have a history with Canada as well. He looked quite good. Uh, hard to get the ball off of him. I think his choice to release runners was a bit slow at times, but he was very promising on the day. Had a nice assist as well. Um, I think that was maybe their best um, attacking threat that they're able to generate is kind of moving the ball quickly from one wing to the, the to the other because Tottenham were trying to squeeze the pitch to one side, um, the ball side, that is. But Tottenham, yeah, once they were able to dispossess Burnley, were able to just sort of counter, and it was a lot of Burnley players sort of running back towards their goal and not enough uh, people trying to step up and stop dribblers. Um, not to... We uh, sidetrack you, Blair, but uh, Kolyosho was born in Norwalk, Connecticut, and um, had a four-year spell with the Manhattan Kickers in his youth. Really? Yeah, it's pretty pretty fun stuff. Let's uh, uh, let's let's sign him up. Huh? <laughs> let's, let's sign him up. You know what? I'm just gonna say it. Let's sign him up. Uh, he he played he played for Espanol uh, for his senior career birth uh, before transferring to Burnley. Uh, has had four appearances for the United States U15s. And as of 2023, according to Wikipedia, is registered with the Italian U19s. Okay. Seven appearances for them. That's tough. I feel like we probably will lose that battle. I don't know. To Italy? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Probably. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, never mind. Screw him. He's never going to be. Kolyosho is eligible to represent the U.S., Canada, Nigeria, and Italy. Hmm. That's crazy. Why did Do all four. <laughs> what you countries should, do you think you guys would be able to represent? Definitely just the U.S. Uh, U.S., Canada, and France. Okay. I mean, eligible, those countries. Able to, just Any, Canada. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on, I, I would want to know what, How I mean, I'm sure that there's a rule out there, but I don't know it, like what, because um, my great-grandmother was born in Hungary, so I think it would oh. be cool to try to. You and Dominic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Me and the best midfielder, best looking midfielder in the league. Mm. I should say. So the and Dominic, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, anyway. Yeah. That, that was a good point you made Blair. I don't remember what you said I, though. I, I feel like actually Burnley to their credit are pretty unlucky that Romero scored their that was second goal off of like some pretty crazy bounces around the box. It was, it was a corner routine ball bounces around the box ends up with Romero sort of at the top of the box and he bangs home a, a really nice shot, uh, which sends them into the break down to one and then Burnley come out in the second half and sort of decide we're going to sit back a little more. They took Sander Berga off and uh, one other fellow as well. I have it here. Goodmanson off for uh, Delcroy, and then they brought Brown Hill on for for Berga. I think they're consciously choosing to sit deeper, and then what that did was allow Tottenham to exploit all the space in their box that they were still allowing, and then score a bunch of goals. So it didn't really work as a choice. Um, <coughs> and I mean, looking at the numbers, Burnley were like largely able to produce enough attacking threat they just they yeah. just got a bit unlucky they got they got soccer to a degree i mean like it's it's kind of 
Because they scored at the bookends of the match. Yeah. Right? So it kind of really doesn't do you any good if you let five goals happen in between those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, two of them come from points, outside the box. Points. And yeah. It's just like, yeah, it just, it's, it's both. Uh, a systematic problem and also a bit of bad luck. So the James Madison shot was just absolutely beautiful. And the Romero shot was weird and it didn't take like two deflections. And did Romero ever play for Lester? No. Oh, but did James Madison? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why, why are we digging at Lester right now? I was just comparing how she described the the goals. But yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's I think, did even let me finish it? Right, obviously, the, the point I think here is that, you know, Burnley have a play style that they're adhering to, but they can't simply get players like James Madison, like Son, who have a probably incredibly, uh, there's an incredible golf in the outside shooting skills between, um, you know, Lyle Foster and, uh, Zeki you say that about Lyle Foster. <laughs> And like him and Zahn and James Madison, um, yeah. I mean, like even even, even just like a player like Dijon Kulusevski, you know, you, you can't just like Burnley can't just go out and buy a guy like this. So, I mean, that I mean that point is clear and plain. But um, you know, Burnley decide to play a style that suits the the on ball timing of these players, and they get punished for it. I admire the fact that Vincent Company has like maybe and his coaches coaching staff have mentally worked out a possibility to where this plays out for them. And it might have if they held on to the initial lead, because I think Lyle Foster's goal that was worked over uh from Roberts to Colyosho to Foster was exactly the way Burnley designed that. Maybe not exactly. Like I know, toe poke to toe poke. Yeah, to no, slide I, I think poke. that was because the 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 like the the play from the right to the left of the field and then up. Yeah, that was a systematically worked out yeah. as a part of a counter counterattack. That was what I was. Took them off guard. That's what I spotted too. Was they were finding those ways to work the ball from right to left to out to Colyosho, and then um, on that goal in particular, it was just a really nice um, cutback to Foster in the box. Um, actually, yeah, from Luca Colioso and Foster slots at home in the fourth minute. It was a really great start. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's, I guess, the <laughs> the ideal state of right. Burnley football under, under company. If only, you know, they had a lot of players that were on ball special. Like, if only they could yeah. just buy Man City's team because, you know... If, yeah. <laughs> so the the I was looking at the uh, heat map of the Burnley squad and O'Shea and Bayer are basically next to each other on the pitch in the center um, at the time, and then there's these huge gaps between the fullbacks of uh, Dakil and Roberts, and I'm just wondering if like they're just leaving way too much uh, area and half spaces for runners because like. I just, there's so much space in there for you to run on the shoulder of someone and then pick out a pass to, I mean, Son, notably. He had a hat trick. Yeah, we didn't say that, I don't think. Son Son had a hat trick. Finally found his footing. Yeah, I guess we really should have (laughs) read that. But this was a focus on Burnley, but I guess we can take some time for Anja's Tottenham. Did you guys have any takeaways for this game about Tottenham? Um... I don't know if I took anything else from it more than our first match with them. 
they're scoring a just bunches and bunches of goals right now, and you can like see why. I think Solomon uh, generated quite a bit of attacking threat. I don't think he had the final ball there um, so much in this match, but he uh, looked quite good. Um, Sun found his shooting boots finally after uh, quite a while off of uh, out of form. Yeah, James Madison continues to just orchestrate from the midfield incredibly well. I mean, he's off to a blazing fast start for forty for million. Pounds, if I'm correct. Yeah, just an incredible deal. Acquisition, yeah, that was fantastic business um, from Spurs. I think uh, if the universe had played out differently, Leicester could have gotten way more, but it is what it is, right? The universe is a cruel and unusual place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In terms of Burnley, uh, one last... uh, We've got... um, You know, they're sitting 20th. They obviously have an uphill battle for the confidence of the players to make it out um, out of the relegation zone and somewhere like 14th or 15th. Um, are, and I think of the promoted teams, most people regard them as the favorites to make it up because they trounced the championship. Um, do we think that's the case here? Um, so I've got an issue of correction here. My mistake. The Nottingham Forest win was in the EFL Cup. My bad. Um, I forgot that their game against Luton got canceled. Hey, a win's a win. Okay, confident. Uh, so yeah, they are, there are currently three clubs sitting on, or two clubs sitting on zero points, uh, two clubs sitting on one point. So it's Burnley, Luton, Everton, Sheffield, United, in that order from 20 to 17. Tight race. Yeah, so... I L- think Burnley Luton, are going to be fine. Luton honestly. and Burnley are on zero points. And Luton, obviously, I think, you know, is working with peanuts compared to the rest of the teams. Yes. Um, so the question is, does Burnley go up and like a team like Bournemouth or Sheffield go down? You know, I, mean, I like, does Burnley stay up? I guess is the overarching question here. I think they do. I, I, I have my doubts. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they will. Well, the way the gambler's fallacy would have it, uh, all three promoted teams stayed up. (laughs) Thus, an above average amount of promoted teams must go down this year. I'd be very surprised if Luton stayed up. No offense. Um, And I agree. uh, Yeah. I don't know. Everton somehow like are at one point. I don't think they're as bad as their table position currently says they are. So I, I still feel like Sheffield, Luton, Burnley feels like a pretty... Fair group. Wolves have actually looked better than I thought they would. I thought they were going to be pretty dire this year, but that man, Gary O'Neill, seems to have the magic dust at the moment. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm looking at these three promoted clubs right now still with uh, quite a few concerns. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, given the table, if you look anywhere below Wolves, that's like the current relegation candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, Bournemouth, I think, might be able to talk their way out of that conversation, but um, I'm not wholly convinced yet. Obviously, they have to build on the survival they were able to mount last year. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's slim pickings at the bottom. So it's it'll be, I think, a fight for sixteenth or seventeenth. Yes, I agree. Okay. I think I think Bournemouth too, to their credit. I think they have. I think they have some guys who I look at and say like, yeah, like you're you're at the level of the league. Yeah, and I just look at Luton, I look at at Burnley, and I see some nice players, but I just don't see a lot of options. I don't see somebody who's really just going to dig them I, out. You know, I don't know about putting 
a player like James Trafford as the primary goalkeeper for Burnley? I mean, he's only 20. Yeah. And he's got to be constantly shot-stopping. And I, I just think they, they need, like, an older, more seasoned goalkeeper if they want to, you know, be a bit more... Wasn't that Leeds issue last year, too? They had a really young goalkeeper. Meslier? Yeah. That was like his first. He starting. like was pretty up and down, but yeah. they just couldn't defend to save their lives. No, and, and I like mean, Burnley's part of that. But. Burnley's also kind of in that camp, and they've got a young goalkeeper, very yeah. very le- replay leads, yeah, kind of yeah. vibe. Different approaches, but maybe same result. Yeah, I think that to like a big such a big facet of those Sean Dyche Burnley teams was having Nick Pope in goal. You know, he was a yeah. good shot stopper, if nothing else. You know. Well, we will keep one eye on the progress of Burnley. We'll keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Both eyes, if I can spare them. Um, <laughs> Did you go into an accent? <laughs> it's a quote from Lord of the Rings. I was going to say, it had to be Lord uh, of the Rings. <laughs> anyway, we can uh, move on. So I think um, satisfactorily, Burnley, cool play style, questionable table position. <laughs> Do you think they keep this sort of style up for the whole year? I I don't know. It can only get better. I mean, they literally were the best team in the championship by a country mile last season. Mm. So I think it's wise to stick to your guns because that is what they've been training for. Is a country mile farther than a regular mile? Uh, Yeah, because uh, it's in a field where there's no highways. And so you can't drive it. You have to walk it. Yeah. Or horse it. I just asked the people at Burning Man, you know. I, oof. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't muster the sympathy for all the tech bros in there. <laughs> RVs. <laughs> um, roughly speaking, a country mile is ten yeah. furlongs, twenty two hundred oh. yards. Oh, whereas a mile is eight furlongs or seventeen hundred and sixty oh. yards. So it's like a thousand feet longer than an actual mile. Yes. Huh. It's why even more than that actually. Because it's tw- it's it's wait. You said five times or three times. It's it's twenty two hundred yards. Is a country yeah, sorry, mile. Sorry, sorry. So that's and, uh, regular mile seventeen hundred and sixty yards. Yeah. So but it's yeah. Okay. Why? 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 Um, the country mile is also called the old English mile. Oh. Um, is this go? It back? doesn't. It doesn't actually. <laughs> the old English mile. <laughs> if you know the answer, can you just tell us, guys? Oh. Thank you. Oh, most country roads are not in a straight line. Instead, roads in the country tend to meander up and down and all around. <laughs> Who wrote this? Uh, was it Dr. Seuss by chance? It, okay. A country mile seems much longer. But this makes it seem as if a mile in the country takes longer to cross than a straight mile in the city. So you're saying it, to get, so you right. So if you were to measure a mile in a straight line on a map from point A to point B, but following the road that gets you from point A to point B is longer than the straight line because of the curvature of the earth. Of the, of the earth, <laughs> and more importantly, the roads. <laughs> I understand. The curvature of the earth is just so much stronger out there. So, yeah, there is a country mile <laughs> in terms of the results for Tottenham oh, and Burnley. And, turvy. And, and speaking of different results, wow, what a game that was today, folks. Arsenal 3-1, Manchester United at the Emirates. Blair, I think you owe me the largest apology. What do I owe you apology well, just for? The biggest On your one. knees, just let's the go. the biggest, biggest one ever. Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I, so what, what I was saying beforehand was I was feeling good about Arsenal's chances. Yeah, and you then do Blair, that every time. <laughs> and you do this every day. Blair, Blair piped in saying, hey, man, I'm not, I'm, I've had enough of that positivity, okay? Our Manchester United are going to get away with one by some BS, I think was what you said. Not BS. Sorry. I, uh, anyway, do your, do your spiel. Yeah, and I said, well, I think, uh, you know, with Partey out injured, they're going to be forced to play Ben White at right back, and then the midfield's going to sort itself out through that. Uh-huh. And um, I was almost wrong, I'll admit. <laughs> I was almost so wrong. If not for a crazy last-minute goal rocketed in by none other than the new golden boy, Declan Rice, uh, Arsenal see a, um, at the time of the goal anyway, the latest result flip in the Arsenal Man United fixture. So, meaning it's the latest Arsenal's ever beaten Manchester United in a Premier League game. Nice. Yeah. Congrats. Pretty big, honestly. Especially because, uh, you know, I, it was kind of a tale of two debuts uh, for Arsenal with Declan Rice and Kai Havertz. If, if, if you look at the, the difference in yeah, the reception and the opinion. All of you agenda emergence out here. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'd I, I love your unfiltered going. opinion on the game, Blair, because um, obviously you are the Arsenal expert. I will tell you why I was pessimistic, Jacob. Yeah, we have not me. We have not defended convincingly yet. I think the numbers say we were doing okay. Um, but I think that I'm a counter, like against Forrest with Anthony Alonga and... Again, on as an example with man, uh, with Marcus Rashford's goal in this game, that we are gettable, and so oftentimes we look like we've conceded low xG, but really we've just given up a really nice counterattacking chance that scares me, and we don't seem to uh, get too many of the one v one stops that we might want from these sort of counterattacking plays. Um, and so on and so forth. So it's just been like worrisome. And I think I could have basically just drawn up on a sheet of paper the exact way in which Manchester United's first goal transpired, which was a Marcus Rashford breakaway off of a transition moment created by a dispossession from a horrible Kai Havertz pass through the midfield that was intercepted. Yes. Um, and then it's just Marcus Rashford carrying the ball for 50 yards and slotting it home. Uh, from the left side to the back post on the right side. That's like the example, a uh, case numero uno of Marcus Rashford's goal-scoring bag. He's quite good at that. He does it every time. He's a very good ball carrier. Yeah, and so I was just like, fantastic. This is exactly what I saw coming. Um, it was their first shot of the game. I do remember you yelling across the apartment, I told you. Yeah, because this is what I saw happening. Um, and this is going to be continue to be the bane of Arsenal's existence, and they're going to live and die by, I guess, flipping a coin with these sort of chances and hoping that, um, I don't know, we come up heads every time. Might I offer a small rebuttal that yeah, uh, might poke a tiny hole in this narrative that yeah, you're building? Hear. Um, if Kai Havertz had done anything else but what he did in front of the essentially open net at the time when it was still 0-0, the story that is being spun here would be flipped on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's going back, right? That was like the 13th or 14th minute where there's a weird bounce in the box. It lands at Kai Havertz's feet. He has kind of a weird touch and then swings at it with all of his might and completely hits nothing but... Uh, blue sky right and 
so yeah, that was very frustrating. It was from six yards out at most. Um, a consider you would consider that a golden uh, goal scoring opportunity. The problem that Arsenal are having is that they're generating a ton of threat, having a bunch of a uh, positive field tilt in their favor. We're spending most of the time in our opponents attacking third for matches, but the final product hasn't quite been there yet. Yeah. And so that's just another example of it. So it's been like a weird kind of frustrating start, even though we've taken 10 from 12. Um, and yeah, I was like more worried than I feel like I needed to be going into this because just looking on paper, like Manchester United had to play an inc- incredibly rotated side given all the injuries and uh, weird transfer sockets they've been having. So like this, this was a, a bit of a, a, a lame duck or something coming in. And like, I feel like Arsenal like still didn't quite convince given like the level that Manchester United like were able to muster. But yeah, I mean, I do hear what you're saying because the it's frustrating to see the because because we we kind of talk about Arsenal in I think a very circuitous circuitous fashion um, <laughs> sure. where where it's the um, it's either that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you can hear Cooper <laughs> in the background. You for there. sure can. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, folks. Um, I guess the overall point I'm trying to make is that like Arsenal are getting in the positions that they need to be in. Yes. Um, and they are taking the chances. But I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I think needs to be worried about is the fact that Arsenal are getting there in the first place. And the fact that they're getting there is the biggest hurdle. So yeah. as long as they start taking the chances, the goals will fall. It's just as to, you know, when luck decides to swing its way in. Yeah. Like I, I'm not like down on Arsenal. I've just been frustrated because I think I was very spoiled by a, a severe, like XG over performance last year is like, oh God, like all of our guys are just incredibly lethal finishers all of a sudden. And now it's like all regressing back to, you know, maybe somewhere closer to the mean. Um, So yeah. And I also think there's something happening and it's like, there's, there's no proof of this, but I I feel like there's something happening where maybe Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard are like, all right, well, yeah, we all got 14, 15 goals last year. So I got to, I got to beat that. You know, it's like, I'm him. I'm going to call my number. And um, yeah, and like that's fine. That's completely fine. Uh, I just think that it's it it looks, it, it doesn't look selfish. It just looks a little more, um, I don't know. Well, no, because yeah, I, I don't think know if, if you continue with that like line of thought, then obviously if you don't meet those benchmarks that you set for yeah. yourself last year, then you start getting in your own head. Exactly. Especially if you're a young guy like Martinelli or like Bukayo Saka. Yeah, they want to keep putting up those numbers, right? I think they're putting more pressure on themselves now. I guess. Um, and so, like, maybe there's there's that as well. But, like, I've had trouble with Kaya Verts so far. He's been a weird signing. Yeah. And his, his integration has not been uh, seamless. But, like, with that being said, I've I, like, rewatched the Fulham game last week. And, like, I watched him this week. And it's, like, he, like, nominally gets into good positions. Um, it's just kind of like the ball to the back post to, to Heverts is just not, like, finding him. Um, they're not really looking for him on overlaps. So he's kind of like ghosting a little bit and they're also not really looking for him. Um, so it just feels a little disjointed there. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like these guys, it's, it's four matches in. Maybe they just need to figure things out. You know, Gabriel Jesus hasn't started a match yet. So maybe it's much ado about nothing, but it's just been a bit frustrating on that uh, end of the pitch. 
Yeah, I I mean, maybe you two disagree with me, but I think the best part about Kai Havertz's game is the movement he does off ball. And so when... That's about all I've seen so far. <laughs> but like, if he's able to make himself available upfield, um, especially when, you know, in build-up play or in the like the final, the pass before the pass maybe, yeah. that's really all he needs to keep doing. Yeah, I think he's been performing fine for Arsenal. It's just that... It's his fourth Premier League game in the season, and it's and, and clearly, um, judging by the past, like oh god, has it been like three years already? Yeah. Um, in the Premier League, he just needs to build the confidence back up. I mean, that, that's like I think yeah, that might be a bit yeah. of a cop out, like because you can't really. That's so positive for you, Jacob. Well, because I think the the issue is is that Kai Havertz. Look at if you go look at his buyer uh, um, numbers. Yeah. In the Bundesliga, they're fantastic. Um, and then we go to Chelsea, and then he has, like, what, five managers in three seasons or something? Something ridiculous. Yeah. You're not going to develop as a player yeah. under under those in, in that environment whatsoever. Um, I, we were saying from the get-go, free my guy Christian Pulisic. Get him somewhere <laughs> where he can learn more stuff. Now look at him. So, Flying. Flying high. And obviously the jump that Kai Havertz made to Arsenal and Pulisic from um, Chelsea to Milan, two different jumps. I think there's going to be a much, much bigger microscope on Kai Havertz and thus the pressure is still on. But I, I think um, you know he's going to turn out fine. Whether or not he meets that price tag that's going to been flying around is another question but yeah, I that's think the problem it's one best not thought about you know <laughs> no no like in, it, in in like a positive manner you know it's it's i think right now it's impossible to ignore if you're an arsenal fan because the people that are vocally frustrated with him and i think i understand that for sure i mean i have been pretty frustrated with him just because it it's really hard to read him and like I don't want to like care about body language and all that, but I just think that the way Havertz goes about the job is just diametrically opposed to how, say, like Granit Xhaka did, even though nominally they're basically doing the same thing. And so it's just like, I guess, taking some getting used to because Granit Xhaka liked to be like the center of things. He liked yeah. to be a hero. And Kai Havertz kind of likes to live on the periphery of things and just sort of ghost in and out of positions. And I'm not using ghost as like a derogatory term. Like he actually likes to just kind of have his 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 defender sort of lose him with this movement um i think that's something that he's pretty good at and so yeah it's just sort of it's sort of difficult to to read his game um week in and week out and i feel like that's not letting itself well to the fact that he's not you know putting away a, a golden chance like he'd had um in this game so better not better he's a phantom <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah i, I got you i knew exactly what you were going for there um yeah no but i mean i think you take that midfield like trio right uh odegaard party and jaka and then yeah. you you t you put in rice you put in Havertz. this mm -hmm. is like something that's gonna i mean for me anyway i don't uh, i think i uh ingest information much much slower than the average person but it's gonna take me a while to figure out the the tiny differences in the in this midfield trio then to me the much easier to read party jaka odegaard trio yeah that was pretty straightforward yeah and like the yeah the job that Havertz is doing is weird because he's like midfielder but also sometimes a, a, a you know a center forward striker and then he's back in midfield again and it's yeah i think it's gonna just take a little bit of time i don't know um 
So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crucify him. I was really frustrated with him against Fulham because there's this really really horrible back pass that he made that maybe you would have seen um, circulating on soccer reddits. But uh, yeah, just it was really annoying. <laughs> um, even though that doesn't really define his game, he actually was decent. But uh, anyway, good the other good th- things. We're kind of dwelling on Arsenal because uh, Blair pointed out I think last week to me off the pod that we hadn't touched on Arsenal yet, even though dude, I thought we thank did. God, we won. Dude. Oh my god. <laughs> Because I, I had thought we talked about Arsenal in the first game week for some reason, but... Um, no, Maddie and I watched them, but we didn't talk about it. Okay. Then, yeah, so obviously we're four game weeks in Arsenal being one of the favorites for uh, the title this year, so we're going to need to dwell on them more than the average team. Thus, we're going to circle back to a previous issue that wasn't present here because of the uh, injury status, but Thomas Partey at right back, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, dude, that was weird. Um, it was very weird. And I think two things happened. Alexander Zinchenko got his annual or once every four months calf strain that let us, left him sidelined for most of preseason. So we didn't get to see him. He actually started today. It was his first start. He's been slowly working his way back into fitness. He'll probably be healthy for another four weeks before he goes back out again. Um, and then Urian Timber, who was signed to be his uh, deputy, I suppose, um, I think ideally from the right, but also can play on the left, uh, did something to his ACL. I don't know exactly if it's what, what the situation is, but it's basically torn one way or another. He's going to be out for a long time. That's rough. Yeah, so that was horrible because he looked really great. Um, he's having a great performance against Forrest. And then... You know, think these things happen. So I think, I guess, Plan C is to play Declan Rice in Thomas Party's midfield position, and then to invert Thomas Party from a right back position, and play William Saliba and Ben White um, as basically the other the other guys in defense. Very strange, strange setup that we had. Um, yeah, I think people are kind of like puzzled. Yeah, it was weird. It was unexpected because we didn't really see it much in preseason and so it was kind of like we were working it out in our first few weeks in the premier league which led to some clunky performances i mean obviously definitely not because they start off and right you you i guess you really give mikel arteta the benefit of the doubt with this switch but then obviously arsenal just do not perform well with Partey on the i mean because he's out of position he he's not a right back and yeah. he wasn't really playing right back unless he absolutely had to which was weird but like it, it it did ah, it I'm did familiar yeah it did look <laughs> it did look clunky um it did look a bit loose but what it also did was basically we had matches we were in the high 70s low 80s for percentage possession like we were just keeping the ball um it was just kind of sterile it looked like the group didn't really know how to use its possession with the players that were standing in the positions they were in to um create uh, overloads to, you know, I guess just move the ball around the defense. Right. So I think that was mostly just them kind of working things out. I don't necessarily w- want to say like it just doesn't work. Um, it was just weird because the old tried and true formula, which we basically got back to by um, we were forced to against Man United was this Ben White, Sleba, Gabriel, Zinchenko back four and inverting Zinchenko with the midfielder, uh, the, the, the central six in the pivot. So <laughs> Um, but that yielded a much different result. I mean, Man United had more possession in this match than I expected them to. Cooper agrees. And 
as I was saying, as you were saying, I do wonder if Thomas Party was healthy and we would if we would have continued this right back thing, or if we would have gone like Party, Rice, Odegaard in the midfield three with a different back four. I'm not, I'm not really not sure. Right. I, re- I really want want to know, and that's why I'm, I, I think what I'm most disappointed about the injuries. I really want to know what Arteta would have chosen to do for this match. Would he have foregone Havertz? Would he have started Party and left the back for? as it was, would have been a party in Zinchenko? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I guess Barcelona fans don't actually know what the ideal starting 11 is. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the most disappointing part. The upside of having Declan Rice is that he can just do the party thing, and it's fine. He was amazing. I mean, yeah, he. I, I think he's the party upgrade. Yeah, he was phenomenal in this match. Like, unreal. It blew my mind. Uh, I was listening back to the the Arsenal Vision guys. They're, they do some post-match analysis. And um, this guy, Crab Stats, does the numbers for them. And he said that Declan Rice had like almost 800 yards between progressive carries and progressive passes in this match, uh, which is <sighs> unreal to me. A lot of big work rate. Yeah. Um, so he was playing forward a lot. He was also getting forward a lot. Like he was getting into the box. Um he, which was kind of scary to me because it's like, well, if you leave, there's nobody there. So uh, I don't know if that's instruction or if he's just like, screw it, I'm doing this. But yeah, a couple of shots, he had a goal. Um, just like an insane performance though, overall. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's pretty astounding given how he looked early on and how much he's been talking in the media about how he's learning so much and seeing football in a completely new light under Arteta and all this stuff you know he's like this star-crossed like I'm just I'm a simple country boy we play we we huck it you know Um, you know that's 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 moist ball how he's just sort of stepped in in like four matches like all right I kind of got this I get it now yeah I mean he's he I mean he's been linked with like a I don't. I always hate the term "bigger club" for a lot. Uh, Sometimes, so yeah, you know, he made the step up, and I think he kind of made that career transition at the appropriate moment. So yeah, um, good to see. And obviously, um, Arsenal, despite the current injury status, Gabriel Jesus is back. Tomiyasu is once again legal to play. <laughs> um, and I think uh, other than. Legal to play? Uh, his red card. Yeah, red card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, any any comments or criticisms of Man United briefly? Since we talked about them before, we won't dwell on them too much. <laughs> Maddie just hit, hit the unmute <laughs> button and made a face that I've never seen her make before. <laughs> Maddie is about to talk some shit. Taking the gloves off. <laughs> Let's... Let's, I guess let's let uh, the master go to work. Release the salvo. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> it's the last 10 minutes. You put on the Lester duo of a lifetime and you lose. This really is the Stephen A. Smith of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, am I crazy? You sub off. What, Dallow and... No, it was Lindelof and Martinez both had to go off. Their oh, starting center-back Martinez pair. got think, injured. Yep. Maguire came on for him. Mm-hmm. And then Evans came on for Lindelof. Who, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think he had, you know, the game of a lifetime. I think he made some interesting calls. I think Ten himself. Hag said he was sick or something and decided to play. 
um don't know i don't know how much i trust ten hog right now to be honest there's some the some rumors spreading about the camp i don't know who knows what to believe but i do know that evans and uh mcguire probably not the most solid backup defenders that you can have seeing yeah. as that they wanted to sell mcguire real 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 bad and it didn't happen Well, obviously not ideal that martinez went off injured no no not in the plan no. no. I think Johnny Evans last year might have been the worst center back in the league. He was injured for a time. Yeah, when he was injured when he for was most playing, of it. He was pretty bad. Because he was re-injuring himself <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. Um, I just think, like, the state of menu that they're bringing on, a guy who they're basically trying to sell to anybody... I don't know. That was weird because they kept like they they seemed very clear they wanted him gone, but they were also like, "Well, we're not going to sell for anything less than." I don't know. It was very strange. Uh, it seemed like they're getting good enough offers, but they weren't taking them. So, and then Evans, who came in as like a guy that they kind of just wanted around in camp for the preseason, ends yeah. up getting a one year deal. It was weird. He's thirty five. I don't. I don't know. I just. I think he's well past his his playing days at this do. level. And then. United as a whole, it was the right side was completely dysfunctional. Anthony had one shot, zero chances created. Martial uh, had one shot on target, to be fair. It was all basically, Mark Rashford, please save us. Um, Alejandro Garnacha came on, to be fair, and uh, had a nice goal that was called off um, because Gabriel, I love him so much. Did his, did his little twinkle toes dance move to play him off size. It was amazing. It was yeah. I And then Hoyland comes on and I think he looked quite good. He looked dangerous. Yeah. He, he and Gabriel were just battling each other for 35 minutes. And Gabriel is a big 25 year old premier league experienced, you know, has played some of the best strikers in the world. Um, center back for Arsenal. And he doesn't, get bodied by people hoyland was was meeting his physicality though he wanted um, it yeah yeah uh, hoyland also had a nice layoff for the garnacho goal that was called off sides i think he looks quite promising in limited uh view i guess um given that he only had 23 minutes but were really excited about him too yeah and so that is definitely a positive from this match um and then, yeah, I don't know. I thought Onana had a couple of good saves. Uh, that Saka shot from close range was poorly placed, but it was a nice save. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's like it's bad that United had to field this group because they just brought in Regalon right. and Amrabat, but they didn't do it in the appropriate amount of time to get them on the pitch. And so they were left in a situation where they're starting, you know, probably a striker they don't want to be starting. Um, definitely some center backs they don't want to be starting, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, a fullback, yeah. like it's 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 a mess right now. Yeah, um, the problem is that they don't have a lot of depth currently. Because yeah. um, I mean, Varane's out, so and obviously I don't think you can. I think you were correct, but you can't just bring out um, uh, Regulon with like zero yeah. run up. Yeah, exactly. And just like hope he does something good. Yeah. Know? Um, I think if they would have taken a point here, which they're very close to doing, I mean, they're very close to taking all three, to be fair. That's a, I mean, that's an incredible outcome for them, you know, to go on the road and in a big match, do that. They were close to it. I mean, it was a pretty solid performance given the circumstances for United, like no disrespect there. I think they played pretty well. It was just that it came down to Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans trying to defend this set piece and failing pretty poorly at it. 
and also a lucky bounce from the the rice shot um that took it into the net but yeah the two deflections yeah i mean he hit it really sweetly mm-hmm. to be fair uh, watching the replay but yeah i mean it, it was really just kind of a hit and hope situation so i mean we kind of saw the same play happen in the palace wolves game and the player just skied it so like yeah there yeah. there is like a, a something to take away from that there is promise there for sure well we have spent some time on this fixture Sometimes. So, yeah, let's say uh, Arsenal, you know, they're they're looking like on, on the proper course still. No worries there. Um, <laughs> well, let's say that. Yeah, let's just, let's just settle Zero on that. Zero worries at all, I ever. Love I love just saying those things and then like, hey, man, screw you. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to uh, Crystal Palace 3, 2, Wolves. Burner, exciting play, right. exciting players. So, uh, very fun back and forth match marked by one team finishing just a little better than the other. I think that's a, a very apt description. That was a Blair write up on that match, I believe. Yeah, that was my writing. Um, that's pretty good, huh? Now, <laughs> well, I think it is. I I'm think. not on the writer's strike. Abere as Solidarity, though. What a player. Question here from Blair. Is he the best non-big seven player in the league? I am assuming <laughs> in the seven you include Newcastle. Yes. Okay. I, yes, please go on. Okay. Um, might I humbly bring forth one of any of the Brighton players? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. That was like, the, the, only, the only arguments I could see here was like Karu Mutomo. Ansu Fati. Untried, but... Um, you know, I feel like if you can pop at Barcelona, you're pretty good for most places. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, well, also, I'll, nah, that, he's that, all right. He's that, all right. <laughs> that's not one I would have gone to right away. I don't think just Ansu because Fati? he doesn't stay healthy. But, um, yeah. we don't know yet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and not in the Premier League anyway. No, but I think I think uh, you're right. As a is a flash in the pan for Palace. That um, I also I think we we mentioned it last season because Crystal Palace were making moves um, in the Premier League uh, during games. They have a lot of very flashy players. Uh, Edward being one of them. Um, but as a I think is the primary uh, leader in this like technical offensive player squad. Now, yeah. markedly different player that missed a sitter, Jordan Ayu. Um, why? What's the deal here? I don't. I'm not. I don't like to. I leave Maddie's specialty to jump and create the hate bandwagon. <laughs> I'm a bit less. All love, baby. All love. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, um, when when is Jordan Ayu no longer fit for Crystal Palace? When Michael Elise returns from injury. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got for you. Uh, no, that's fair. Yeah, he's going to be back in the middle of September, according to FUTMOP. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jordan Ayu starting on the right wing is the ideal uh, situation for Crystal Palace. No, no. One thing I clocked on him in this match, he had 22 ground duels. Yeah, okay. So I guess, I just I just wondering what what constitutes a ground duel, you know? It's basically any Do they both bring a deck of Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Exactly. Yeah, I, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Put them up. It's basically any uh contest for the ball where the ball's on the ground not in the air. Uh so the ball is usually on yeah, the ground. Yeah, but like how long does it have to last, you know? 
I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just think it's it's either it's like two people go into it. Some, one person's got the ball, one person doesn't, right. and it, it can last however long it lasts. Twenty-two ground duels. How many won? Eleven. That's pretty. That's fifty percent. You know what? I feel like that's pretty standard, right? Fifty. They're they're literally fifty fifties. That's a so. that's a lot of ground duels, though. He Twenty-two is a lot. Yeah, fighting. Uh, I was it, looking at everybody else in the game, and the next highest I saw was a Wolves player at fourteen. He's but, thirty-one. Geez. He's six foot. Uh, so that's pretty. That's pretty tall. For a thirty-one-year-old. <laughs> that's handsome, tall. That's I think. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty. Um, but I think honestly, uh, if I had to pick a play style between wolves and crystal palace i really wouldn't know how to like truly differentiate the two that was the thing i clocked as well i clock a lot <laughs> um, i got a lot of clocks yeah they're ticking it's just kind of like all right we're gonna sit in our four four two block for a little while and see what you guys do <laughs> and then it's like all right we're getting kind of tired so we're gonna sit back in our four four two and let you guys try some things um so yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't see a lot of... Uh, I didn't see too much that was very interesting to me tactically. It seemed like pretty sort of mid-table stuff, just so, with some moments of brilliance, I guess. Yeah, so in that Not sense, bear that, with me way. here. Uh, this game is much like a John Wick film. Oh. You know, there's a lot of cool action scenes, but yeah. there's really you can't really distinguish a lot during the fights. Transformers. Just okay. a different just movie. That's totally just a completely different movie. Derailed. I was I was trying to craft some <laughs> threads here, but okay, let's hear it. Transformers. It's all metal you don't like metal. robot. You cannot distinguish who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Optimus Prime is literally red and blue. Okay, <laughs> but then everyone else. Bumblebee is, just, is yellow. Okay, there are th th those are two characters out of like the seventeen that are the good all guys. of the bad guys are gray. I keep telling you but this. But some of the good guys are too, and that's confusing. Very few of no, them are. No, because you said that, and immediately a good guy was gray, and that you're thinking of Ironhide, and he gray. <laughs> the gray man. Anyways, both machine fighting machine in the same way, uh, both confusing. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll just cool leave, movies. I'll just leave it at Transformers then. There, it's not a John Wick movie. It's a well, Transformers. What was your John Wick? It's, it's not important. This is it. a Michael Bay Transformers movie. Uh, Odson Edwards' first goal is phenomenal. That's what I have to say about that. It was that Tyreek Mitchell cross from the the left side that he really drilled kind of at like mid height, and then Edward just kind of karate kicked it out of the goal from the six. It was amazing. He just cried. He cried. He kicked. Karate it. Kicked. Oh, he cried. He, kicked. he he bladdered that ball. <laughs> <laughs> he really bladdered it home. Uh, I've got a rhetorical question for the group to close out this um, because yeah. honestly, I think it's okay to admit that you don't really observe anything. Not every game has to have something special. Not every single game is unique and special. Even though the Premier League sells a product that makes you want to think that. Oh, uh, it was entertaining. See though. past the veil. Understand capitalism. Okay. Listen to our <laughs> podcast. Okay. It was entertaining, though. I'll give it that. It was a pretty fun match. I was talking to uh, our friend uh, from in our fantasy football draft, and he was like, did you watch the Liverpool game? And I was like, no, we watched Crystal Palace Wolves. And he, he laughed and said, why? And I said, what do you mean why? There was five <laughs> goals. It was fun. We're finally picking the game well, that have goals. Well, to be fair, you, the friend that we are in question, I'm not trying is, to be fair to him. He's a Liverpool fan, thus he should have been watching you? Crystal Palace Wolves. That's true. Um, name three players outside of the your top three players outside of the top seven teams. <sighs> Jesus, 
I'm, I'm going to flick through these teams right now. Hang on. Let me get a table up. Um, yeah, that's the most helpful way of doing it. Top seven, of course, being... Uh, Karo Matoma, I think everyone yes. would jump on that. Let me let me name the teams, just in case that's um, not clear for Am everybody. I allowed to say Ivan Tony? I don't, th- I, don't, I don't see why not. Okay. Uh, so, Man City, Tottenham, Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, uh, Newcastle, Chelsea. Yeah. I yes. think before this week, Man there United, was a player that? that went to Tottenham that I thought was... A good player. Wait, what? Could you be more vague? Um, <laughs> Brennan Johnson went to Tottenham. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I don't know if I put him in my top three, but that's interesting. Um, there's got to be someone on West Ham, I th- I'm thinking. Um, Maddie Cash? Do you rate James Ward Kaprowse? Yeah, Maddie Cash. I wouldn't call him a top three. Well, maybe. Um, I think, obviously... Uh, so I'll stick with Karmatoma and um, Ivan Tony, and then let me try and find a midfielder or a defender. Can I offer you one Zhao Paulina? That is a good shout. Okay. I do like that. Fulham were cool, lower cool, on the cool. table um, for me. So let me see if I can find someone on... <sighs> Other name I have in mind, Morgan Gibbs-White. Yeah, I'm not totally sold on the hype. Okay. Um, he's got moments, but I wouldn't call him like a top three outside the top seven. Top three outside the top seven. Ooh, that's a good segment. Your top three players this week outside the top seven. Uh, Aston Villa might have... Uh, yeah, I looked. Yeah, there's not really anybody there that grabs me. It, unless you're like really high on... I guess you could say Diaby if you're really high on Diaby and uh, early returns. I can see an argument for that. Uh, was very good for Villarreal. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he, I don't think he spent enough time here yet. Um, current form, Tao Awani. <laughs> current form definitely is in his favor. Yes. Brian Mboma as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess Brian Mboma over Ivan Tony then, right? Yeah. Um, so let's see here. We've named about eight players. Oh, uh, from the Purvis top is Stupinian. Okay. Uh, there's a defender for Brighton. Yes. Um, who, which team just signed Ibrahim Zangare? Uh, that was Forrest, I believe. That, okay. Um, hasn't played yet, but, uh, you know, by Can all play? accounts, a statistics, darling. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, Matoma as a, uh, Paulina. That's my, that was my three. Embrace debate. Tell top me I'm wrong in the, the comments. Seven. Matoma as a, and Joe Paulina. Joe Paulina. Jacob. Um, Matoma, uh, I'll, I'll stick with Tony. Um, cause Tony. I, I, <laughs> I don't really rate in Buemo. Um, I'll, we I'll, know. I'll, <laughs> that's the hill I'll die on this season. Mm. Um, and I'm just checking for some hidden figures in Everton. Good movie. Um, and <laughs> the the fields are barren. <laughs> Jordan Pickford. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, is there a Wolves player that grabs you? Pedro Neto? Can I, I offer like, you Pedro Neto oh, stock? Oh, shit. Shoot, I was literally going to say Fulham's Manor Solomon, but that's not... Mateus Cunha, perhaps? Yeah, that's good. That's a good... Tim Ream. Ooh, mm. love me some Grandpa Ream. Maddie, what's your list? Uh, I think Estupignan, Matoma, and Mboimo. Two Brighton players? Yeah. That seems unfair. Estupignan, Matoma, and you, Evan Ferguson. You, wait, you're... you're, you're sh- <laughs> <laughs> Those are my top Why three. not, though? They're a good team. <laughs> no, yeah. Evan Ferguson's second goal this year, or not this year, this weekend. Uh, it was insane. Against Newcastle. My favorite yeah. of the weekend. It was insane. Uh, okay. 
I mean, mine was uh, Rafael Leao was against Roma. No, it's we're talking about Premier League goals. Okay, sorry. Mine was Dominic Sobislaz against yeah. Aston Villa. Such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I won't ask the rhetorical question I have in here about Crystal Palace because we're looking over. So let's move on to the FPL roundup. Blair, I'll let you do it. I'll pass it off to Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got it. (laughs) I was going to say I'll let you do it. That was presumptuous of me. Blair, can you please do it? Sure. Oh. Maddie, do you want to do it? No. (laughs) Seems like, how about we alternate? I'm going to mute myself now. Okay. All right. In first place is David Tower with Team Globo Gym. Good job, David. From your tower. Yep. Next, we have Shake and Bake, Dan Arnsberger. Dan, you're killing it. Good Big job Dan, out there. they call him. I think he had a great week, too, like 81 points. I think he was close to the top scorer of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe you guys can fact check me as I go through the list. Um, let me get back to the list. In third place, we would have none other than myself, Blair, uh-huh. Karu Human. Or are you dancer? That's why Karu you wanted human. Karu human with speech. <laughs> are we dancer? And fourth place we have PDR. Don't know what that stands for, but I would love to hear what it does. Public Aaron, display, display. Um, the highest scoring team in the Plastics Podcast <laughs> of the week is John Gaylor. John Gaylor killed it this week. Yeah, it was awesome. 88 points. Yeah, that's like um, and he didn't use any chips, right, to get to that. It was just no, all he natural. Has, he had a good week. He, he, he took David Brooks from Bournemouth Let's and he go. got 8 points with him. Let's Hell go. yeah, John. He's got a midfield of David Brooks, Marcus Rashford, Odegaard, and Embuemo, and they all got him 7 or 8 points. I love that. Let's I'm go. so proud of you. Let's go, JG. We were we were shitting on him in the beginning. Look yeah, at you your now. team was weird, man. It was so <laughs> strange. Yeah, he, very you confused. are in second to last place right now, Maddie. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay. All right, and let's not bury the lead here because in fifth place, we've got Dart Fart, Andrew Kruger. Hell yeah, Dart Fart. Killing it, Dart Fart. Good work, my friend. Yeah, so uh, good job, everyone. Uh, top five, I will, I've will. i climbed a place. I'm sitting pre at uh, tied for 11th with Spencer Clark, just behind Coaches 11 and Erickson, and uh, a fantastic FPL player. Welcome back, Ann. Let's move on. Um, the Premier League is taking a, and all the European leagues are taking a pause this weekend, this coming weekend for the international break. Yay, everyone clap. Dude, I looked at these matches. No I, one, I no honestly happy. don't think I can. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> so we've got USA versus Uzbekistan. I spelled Uzbekistan very wrong. You did. Yeah. <laughs> Uzbekistan. <laughs> Uzbekistan. Uh, Uzbekistan on September 9th and USA versus Oman on September 12th. Oh I'm assuming my. these are going to be god awful times. Yeah, probably, dude. What if we just did like a guest episode next weekend? Um. What if we just nope. made some shit up? Oh, well. We like could every week? wait. Look, can, can someone get Maddie? Can you Google the times that these matches are happening at? So or Blair? Um, yes, I so, can. Let me know when you. Uh, the <laughs> roster. The roster. Five thirty p.m. Okay, oh, for Uzbekistan. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, yeah, it's not great. And then eight thirty p.m. against Oman. That's fantastic. When? What? Oh, what days? Saturday for Uzbekistan. Okay. And I just lost my <laughs> Tuesday. Oh, and then Tuesday. Okay, just so like I so Maddie then said. what would be wrong with a five p.m. on a Saturday? I'm busy. He's got plans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, anyway, the uh, call-ups this uh, calendar, this calendar break, this calendar. Geez, it's because I'm looking at the goalkeeper Drake calendar. This bladder. 
Drake Callender <laughs> has been called up uh, for from Inter Miami. <laughs> Ethan Horvath from player. Nottingham Forest and Matt Turner from Nottingham Forest. Uh, these are our goalkeepers. Defenders called up Sergio Dest, uh, now PSV player, for those of you keeping track. Christopher Lund from Palermo, uh, zero appearances so far. So this will be a berth if he, I should stop. It sounds weird when I say that. It'll be an initial appearance for him. Mark McKenzie, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Genk. Uh, Kevin Paredes from Wolfsburg, still uh, zero appearances. Another so, berth. <laughs> I've really talked myself into things. Um, Tim Ream, Fulham, Chris Richards, Crystal The Palace. bad boy himself, Tim <laughs> Ream. <laughs> Anthony Robinson, Fulham, Miles Robinson, Atlanta United, and Joe Scally from Bruce, you mentioned Gladback. So Christopher Lund and Kevin Paredes are our new defenders. I don't anticipate Drake Callender getting uh, any playtime. Uh, midfielders, Ben Cremanchi, uh, another Inter Miami fan. Messi's really giving these guys uh, mm-hmm. a lifeline. The, the Messi boost, yeah. <laughs> De Luca De La Torre, uh, Weston McKenney, Yanis Musa, Tanner Tessman, one appearance, plays for Venezia, uh, has replaced our lovable uh, Busio, and then Malik Busio. Tillman for PSV. Forwards, Brendan Aronson, Falaren Balligan, Cade Cowell, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, and Tim Weah. Definitely a top heavy lineup if there ever was one. Yeah. Flo Balogun, uh, off to Monaco, by the way. Yeah. Big news, big news. Uh, he's going to get some playing time there. Monaco, probably one of top three places to live as a rich person. Yeah. I've never been there, but I, I also cannot disagree. I've been there on the, uh, F one game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you win? Oh uh, no, I'm very bad at it. Yeah, it's hard. You have to slow down, and that's a number. It just that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I'm racing, you know? Yeah. I'm in a car. I need to keep going fast. Yeah. I got a need for speed. So, obviously, I'll. this will be cool to look forward to because I always like these breaks because it kind of gives us the mental, like, slowdown just to enjoy the boys' play. And, obviously, Greg Ball... Hasn't always been the most complicated thing in the world. Oh, shit, Greg Ball's back. <laughs> Greg Ball's back. <laughs> so we'll be back with, a, with another update on the Bear Halter saga. Behind the back passes. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Anyway, uh, I, I think shoes he's wearing. That's true. Yeah. Shoe game strong. Is uh, Gio Reyna injured right now? Yes, yes, he is. He has not played a single game in like six months. Neither has he called Bearhalter. They haven't even like chatted on the phone. We're not going to dwell on the drama. Oh, all right. Oh We're God. over that saga. We're over it. Uh, that'll be awesome. all from us, I think, unless you two have anything to add. Um, Lions, Thursday. Lions, Thursday. Loins, no longer. Lions, one, one pride, roar. Go loins. Go loins. Go Motor City Kitties. The, the bladder boys. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>